What did these guys do for diligence before they gave a 20-year-old like $200 million, right? How did a young person, you know, convince everyone that they should give them loads of money and tell them that the revolutionary thing is for me to not show you my work, but for you to just believe that I'm disrupting the world? Everything was just a ruse. They were just frauds at the end of the day. Dude, this past week, I've been getting really into just, I've been reading a lot about one, Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos got sentenced. So yeah, she got sentenced to 11 and a quarter years of jail. So I, I was just like following along to see what would happen. That led me to look into the story, which I kind of knew superficially. And then I started watching the show on Hulu called The Dropout. And then before I got into that, there's another big name. I think his name's like Sam Friedman, if Fried Bankman, or who the fuck? <laughs> he goes as like... It's Sam Bankman Freed, but I like I like Fried Bankman. That's pretty funny. That should be his He's technically a Fried Bankman. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like... SBF, right? That's his initials. And that whole thing blowing up, you know, for people who don't know, literally this young guy who in a couple years became, quote unquote, like the youngest self-made billionaire in crypto. And, and the crazy part was that he was he was going at it a very different way, at least in, you know, the what we were told. He was very much like, I'm going to donate all my money once I die. Altruism was his big thing. And he would support Democratic candidates. And so he was politically active. And lawmakers were meeting with him to kind of introduce regulation into crypto. And he was all for that. And at the end of the day, everything was just a ruse. Literally, this guy, you know, a couple of days before the whole collapse was telling users that, oh, yeah, we have all your money. We didn't use your deposits to do anything wrong. And literally a few days, his, his multi-billion dollar company collapses and literally they used customer money, which was supposed to be, it's like, you know, in, in the bank, when you put your money in the bank, you expect the bank will always have maybe not your money, but someone's money that you can use because you have a balance at the bank. He essentially had no balance because he gave all of it away to his other firm, which was also owned by him and was like the sister company to this exchange. But I find it so fascinating that all these checks and balances we believe that exist in society are like, no one actually knows what they're doing, right? If you look at this guy, his his exchange FTX, he had Sequoia, A16Z, I think some of the biggest names, you know, kind of blue chip gold star venture capitalists who invested. And when this news came out, before the company and he said anything, all of these VC companies started saying that, oh yeah, we've decided to write off our investment. They were just, oh yeah, we wrote off the $200 million we spent, very small portion of our fund. And it's like, what did these guys do for diligence before they gave a 20-year-old like $200 million, right? And same thing goes back to the whole Theranos thing. In, in the Theranos, a lot of those investors weren't 
modern tech investors that were more traditional old money, sort of like even big companies like Walgreens. How did a young person, you know, convince everyone that they should give them loads of money and tell them that the revolutionary thing is for me to not show you my work, but for you to just believe that I'm disrupting the the world. And it just goes to show you that if you ever think that you can't do something or you're not smart enough, just think about all these people who literally fooled who we believe to be the smartest people in the industries. And they just acted like they knew what they're doing. And they got somewhere. And, you know, I say this as a word of caution, not to encourage people to start <laughs> doing this, but I hope it inspires people who are held back mentally that, oh, I need to be really smart. I can't do something. But I think it also should be a warning to people who really buy into that whole move fast and break things where in certain industries like banking, like finance, finances, or even healthcare, you can't do that. That's not okay. And so I just thought the whole thing just in that span of two weeks was so mind blowing because it just goes to show you that these people fooled the whole world, right? They fooled the whole world to the tune of billions of dollars. And all these checks and balances we thought would trip up or catch a fraud clearly did nothing. So it makes you think like, what are the actual checks and balances? And does anybody actually know what the fuck they're doing? Or is everybody kind of just showing off or acting like they know what they're doing? And they're just all figuring it out at the end of the day. Yeah, it reminds me of this Steve Jobs quote. It's when you realize the world is made up of people no smarter than you like that's when it that's when it really changes because that's when you realize you can influence it and change it and i think that we live in a world where like we create these like magic boxes where like everything is a black box right it's big companies it's just a black box where they know what they're doing they're obviously managing so much money they must be smart and we just kind of assume that everyone has their shit together but when you dive in that's just not the case and i think you know kind of being an entrepreneur makes you realize that or makes you realize that you're in that gray area all the time where you're you're literally shaping your reality and influencing people around you to basically do the things that you need and you and you're basically creating behavior change to basically help people to basically create products that didn't exist before and like that's only possible when you know you when you have the belief that yeah things aren't the way they are because of some real completely rational reason there's always some way for you to kind of alter reality to you know make it better basically um and i think i think it's been cool to kind of have a have a upfront like close look at that i think in my business i didn't even know like how how enterprise sales were done i didn't even realize that a single person could go and like sell to a company but i've i've sold for example my product to google and it just cut just as like an individual person you realize like okay at the end of the day it just there's someone at google who saw my work and thought it would be beneficial and was like hey how can i pay you for this i was like okay here's my link to my stripe checkout page you could just pay me by credit card and that's how i got google to basically hire my services. And so you realize that like a lot of these processes aren't that complicated. They're just, it's all strung together by, by, by string. And if you understand how things work and the incentives at play, then you can adapt it and influence it and like, you know, get, get what you need done. Yeah. I think there's a line that you can get close to. And unlike these people who clearly crossed the line, I think there's a line you can get close to where 
it, it kind of helps your business or your venture. For example, I think of when I started working on my side business, the whole time I was like, well, they trust this, you know, quote unquote, kid or, or younger guy who built this thing. Like these are all people who own their own businesses and, you know, have employees and have responsibilities. Will they think I'm legit? You know, will they want to pay for this? Or will they be like, oh, wow, can we trust this guy? And I think part of it is being able to speak confidently, understand what problems they're having, offer a solution. And I think at the end of the day, like be there when your product or you do mess up to take responsibility and then fix the issues. I think this, again, serves as a reminder of all the fears you have about whether people will take you seriously, or you'll be able to make a difference. You can, if you initially act like you know what you're doing, and you have a solution, but at the same time, actually know what you're doing and start to learn about the solution you're offering. And know that there is a line that you're not going to cross, right? Like, for you, I imagine maybe you target other companies, you can tell them that like, I did this program for Google. That's, that's something that like, you should use to hustle and, and, and get more sales. But you're probably not going to lie to them and say you also did it for Facebook and Microsoft and Netflix, yeah. right? But I think the blatant lies and the blatant sort of like things I've been hearing from, let's say like Elizabeth Holmes and, and Fried Bankman, which is his new yeah. nickname, <laughs> Uh, which I think actually should be the, the I think the title of this episode, if I'm going to be honest, <laughs> I think should be called Fried Bankman. But it was just insane, the the amount of lies that were involved in this, which made me think that like, at some point, did they just think that they were no longer lying? Because they themselves believe the reality that they had told themselves existed, right? Um, and the funniest part about all this was after this, you know, FTX shit blew up, for some reason, Sam is on Twitter DMing a reporter, I believe from Vox or I don't know, like one of these major publications. And he hadn't, I guess, talked to anyone else, but he's just like, oh, hey, man, sorry, I've been, you know, heads down. It's like, yeah, of course you've been heads down. There's like $12 billion missing. <laughs> and essentially, this reporter is just kind of asking him questions, right? And I feel like this is the first time where people saw the true Sam Bankman Freed. It was like they asking him, Oh, you stood for regulation and, and all of this. And do you, was that just like a, a ruse? And he was like, Oh, yeah, that's what the public and the politicians wanted to hear. Right. Like he admits this to a reporter that all the altruism, all the political like stance against regulation and all that was literally because he was creating a story that would give him media attention. Because I remember six months ago, everybody was covering this kid, right? He was like mm -hmm. young kid, like in his early 20s, self-made billionaire, altruistic, trying to influence. Them. Like, it's crazy, but people were saying he's like the next Jamie uh, Dimon or Warren Buffett, right? And it's like, holy shit, I painted this picture because this is what I knew society wanted. And when I've been reading stuff about Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes, she was the, the CEO that everyone so desperately wanted to see succeed. She was a woman. She was changing healthcare, which usually doesn't have many fast or crazy innovations. And again, the whole product of one drop of blood, it was life-changing. So like everyone wanted it to succeed. 
And I, I find that concept so fascinating. Like, I think there's some lessons from it, which I think probably are part of branding or marketing or, you know, whatever that are useful. But it's just so fascinating that society, no matter how smart, likes the good story, right? Like everybody wants that feel good sort of ending or feel good story. And it's crazy how many red flags might be ignored in order for that story to come true. And that part to me really stood out when I heard all these stories. Everybody wanted it to work, right? Everybody wanted to believe that these were super young, successful, future leaders of of this world. And they were just frauds at the end of the day. Yeah, this is is the way I think about it, right? You have the successful people at the top, the the people who have established them to be successful. And then you have people like us who are trying to make it at the bottom. And we're, we're trying to grow. The only thing that bridges that gap is really just, I think, credibility and reputation. And it's not like, I think that's kind of what the Steve Jobs quote gets at. I, I didn't do a great job articulating it before, but it's really just how do you kind of bridge that gap? Realizing that the people at the top are not there because of some innate ability that they have. They've just decided that they see stuff around them and they got to fix it or improve it. And they've done that and they've gotten the credibility to to get to the top. And for us to get from where we are to the top, there is an element of faking it till you make it because all that matters really is credibility. And that fake it till you make it, I think, as as you said, right, there's, there's a line there. There are a lot of people who are kind of faking it till they make it because that's just kind of what you have to do to, to you know, get people to take you seriously. And then, you know, you use that as a flywheel, right? You, you have to get people to give you a little bit buy-in so that you can kind of get your foot in the door deliver value and get someone at the at the even next level to trust you again to just keep climbing that ladder and you're not doing anything disingenuous you're literally just having people take bets on you at increasingly higher levels and that's how you see basically anyone rise to rise through the ranks right when it comes to your influencers or your um, business people how do you start with a seed round like how do you how do you prove enough value to prove that you're worthy of an a round b round go public build the biggest company in the world. Like those are all kind of rungs in the ladder. I think where these people kind of got lost, the way I think about it is like, they they decided to fake it till they make it, but they they went all in on that identity when they realized that it wasn't exactly going the way they wanted. And so I, like the way I would explain it is that they believed in their mission. I think Elizabeth Holmes, from what I've read about her, believed that she could do this, but she needed people to give her the chance and the capital to build this technology. But after a point, if you've built this entire identity off of you being this woman founder revolutionizing healthcare and you realize like, oh shit, I can't do it anymore. You start to take bigger and bigger chances because your ego is going to get hurt. And at some point you kind of have to go all in on the lie and just live it. And then you get caught <laughs> and and that's where it all comes crashing down. So I think basically faking it till you make it as long as you're, as long as you're being honest and kind of keeping that healthy differential between what you've proven you can do so far and having people take a bet on you for something a little more than that, that's fine. But when that really kind of gets distanced and you really have nothing to show for it, or for example, in Sam Bankman-Fried's case, like I think his exchanges didn't have the liquidity to serve all the trades that were kind of going through the platform, right? And instead of calling that out earlier, he decided to go all in on that. And it was like, okay, you know what? Like I'm really deep in this hole. Let me try to fix this and let me take bigger and bigger gambles. And then basically he got outplayed by another player in the in the space. I think Binance, if that's right. And 
it all came crashing down. I'd like to tie this back to our theme of like, you know, the whole intentional life thing. I think we don't build these businesses to build the biggest businesses in the world. We build them to have a good life and to live a life of integrity and a life that we're proud of. And I think when you lose sight of that is when the problem happens, because at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter to me if I have the biggest business in the world or not. Like as long as I can live with myself, that like that's that's the only thing that matters. So yeah, I think these people really don't have that big picture in mind. Yeah, I was going to do the same thing, which is like tying it back to what both of us were trying to do, which is we're trying to build relatively smaller businesses, but businesses that have low overhead, make a good amount of money to support a good lifestyle for both of us. And I think that's the big difference there. Like both of these people had to quote unquote fool other people because they needed money to grow the business fast. And when the business started growing fast, they had to take even more money because why not if the business is growing fast? And I think that cycle, you really forget what you're really doing at the end of the day. You will get discovered at one point, right? Like, yeah. And even if you cash out, like that doesn't mean anything. Literally, Elizabeth Holmes got 11 and then like a quarter years in jail. Like the Sam Frankman beat, like the Sam Fried Bankman, whatever (laughs) guy. I think he's going to get life in jail, right? I think a business or something successful is something where you provide enough value to other people and that value comes back to you as revenue, cash. And no one is getting sort of like scammed, right? Like the service you're providing is useful enough for them that they're going to pay for it. And you've built your business in a way that it's worth your time to continue providing that service and that you get the money from it. And I think that in these instances and what we see in like venture capital and all these big companies, everyone is just trying to take a big bet. Like everyone wants to essentially scam others, right? How do you go from zero to a billion dollar company in a few years? I have a hard time believing you're doing that because you've created a billion dollars worth of value. I think it's like you've scammed, quote unquote, or you've tricked people into thinking that there's a billion dollars of value that has been created, right? I think part of that has to exist for you to go in such a short amount of time and create a billion dollars worth of value. You realize you have to be a great actor. When you go out to fundraise, you have to know how to talk. And the best companies, they didn't have a hard time fundraising because they could just say, hey, every $2 you give us, we make $4 off of that, right? And I think similar to us, I don't have to try to scam my customer because you know it's like, one, you have to fool a lot of people if you're going to do that, right? Like one customer isn't giving me $100,000. Each customer is paying me like $100 a month. So one, I had to scam so many of them <laughs> in order for me to even make something substantial. And so I think that I don't know, these types of businesses, like these intentional businesses we're building, I think, keep you honest, and also are slower building, but businesses that you have to provide real value, because there's so many people, your customers are your checks and balances, right? Your customers is going to cut off their subscription, versus when I see these people, like, maybe from a, a handful of people, they raised hundreds of millions of dollars, they only had to fool like five people in order to get there right? For me to make $100 million, I don't even think that many print shops exist in the world. You know, like, it's just your TAM, your TAM is way lower. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so I don't know, it just, it makes me feel even better about what I think we're trying to do. Because 
it just goes to show you there's so many bad actors and that startup in that space that you admire that's like supposedly doing amazing and growing really fast like i would just be skeptical about anything i see in that sort of light that's right man suck it sam suck it elizabeth (laughs) 